Hello, welcome to episode eight of Adventures in Autism. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming back to listen, or if this is your first episode listening, welcome. Uh, I'm so happy to have all of you. Um, I just want to start by saying again, thank you everyone so much for all the support and feedback you're giving the show. Uh, it's like every day I'm hearing from new people all over the world. I talked to someone today who is from the UK, which is so cool. And it's just, it's amazing to make those connections and to know that this podcast is helping people and, you know, resonating with, with people because that has always been my goal. And to know that that is actually happening is just, it is, it warms my heart. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, today I have a really fun episode. I talked to a wonderful lady named Ava, um, about her journey with autism with her son, Blake. And she was really fun. It had a lot of a lot of funny anecdotes and just good perspective to share. Uh, and her and I just hit it off. We had a lot in common, actually, especially our sons, just talking about some similarities that we've experienced. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Ava. Hello, Miss Ava. Hello, Megan. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Okay, I have those. I have we, yes, those are so <laughs> many adventures to be had. Um, I'm so excited for you for you to be here and to do this. I actually, so a little backstory. I don't, I don't know Ava. No. <laughs> we connected um, through my cousin once I kind of like launched the podcast, and she had Ava wanted to to come on and share her journey. So I am just as excited to hear this. I think is everybody listening. Oh, okay. Well, thank yes. you. Yes. So <laughs> if you want to like take us back and kind of start at the beginning. Okay. Um, and yeah. Beginning of the adventure, if you will. Well, the whole adventure started with even having Blake. Um, I, um, my husband and I got married. We waited five years to really enjoy each other. And even me having kids was a big deal because I was not I did not think I was going to have kids but I got married married for love we wanted to have a family found out I was pregnant he's a boy uh you know like everything that you know you kind of wish for yeah boy he's a boy like I knew I was going to have a boy like something told me (laughs) I was going to have a boy I wanted him to look like his dad he looked like his father just out the womb I was like, great, he's a boy, and my father, his, you know, him and my husband are going to bond, and they're going to do great stuff together, and da-da-da, and um, luckily, we go to a really good pediatrician, and um, they do the whole, you know, every milestone um, checkup, three, six, whatever, so we got to the 18th month checkup, and he was asking about, um, you know, things like, does he ask for things, does he, you know, make two-word sentences, does he do certain things and we were like no and my son he was counting and you know he was saying certain words but he wasn't talking so we were just like as eh, kind of delayed he was like well when it gets to the two-year we'll just follow up two-year visit came still same not saying more words or whatever and the doctor suggested early intervention 
<clears throat> now, what's crazy is, is that around that same time, my brother's girlfriend, who was a speech therapist at the time, was trying to figure out how to tell me that she thinks that my son should get tested. Okay. Also, at the daycare that he was going to, who's run by my god sister, she was also trying to figure out a way to tell me she was like, Blake doesn't answer to his name. Okay. So they had some, some kind of red flags popping up, but they weren't sure what to say. They weren't sure what to say and they weren't sure how I was going to react. And so it all kind of came up around the same time. And uh, we came and they got the test for it. Um, now, let me just ask, did, did you have any alarm bells going off or were you still thinking like, everything's fine? Like, where were you at? It was just, it was a lot. Yeah. I remember it just being a lot of just confusing stuff to take in. Like, I remember being like, just shocked and then sad and then like confused. Like, what does this even mean? Mm -hmm. We don't know exactly what it is or what is it it? You know, and so we go to the test. We they come do the early intervention testing at the house. They mm -hmm. say, you know, we think he's a candidate for um, autism, early intervention, speech, occupational, whatever therapies. Uh, and then you could try to get officially tested. Let me see what I got this news in August. And then they were like, yeah. So then you can wait to get officially tested. It'll be in January. So you know, just. Hold out until January. That's kind of how I felt. Like, oh, okay, you know, we're gonna tell you some big news about your kid, but um, you know, just hold tight, y'all. Just wait here in limbo. Right, just wait here in limbo. You know, don't yeah. stress. You know, don't be a parent because mm -hmm. they essentially told you something's wrong with your kid. Mm -hmm. And yeah, limbo. The whole process actually, I felt was kind of cold. Mm -hmm. I mean, it had its good parts and its bad parts. Um one of the things that really like stuck with me in the beginning was like the therapist that you give you that they give you um I had a really interesting run-in with the first therapist like one of the therapists that I had with Blake mm -hmm. um, because you know they're these people are coming in and they're telling you this stuff is wrong they're sending you therapists and people are coming here and telling you stuff to do and exercises that you need to do with your kid and this one girl gave me like a seven page document on all these things that you should be doing and implementing with your kid and it kind of just leaves you there and that's it and you as parents now are trying to figure out what the heck all this means now and what you feel like mean? okay did I do something wrong like right. was I supposed to be doing this stuff this whole time like that's just so um that that's just a lot to put on someone it is and not just that but it's like how am I always supposed to now just be an expert in this mm -hmm. like, my master's is in human resources you <laughs> study this like <laughs> I have no idea what's going on I'm still trying to get used to being a parent mm -hmm. I get it too and now we're throwing in this whole other element in with it and it was just I'm trying to deal my husband is trying to deal he, you know, husbands are a different beast mm -hmm. it comes to these issues. At least mine is. Um, and shoot, he's still having a harder time adjusting than I am. Like accepting the, not so much, the situation? Not accepting, but just how do you even integrate? 
you know, like he's used to, he has a boy. So the things that he's used to being doing, like, oh, you just go throw baseballs and, you Mm -hmm. know, go run to the park and play basketball. And my son, you know, he plays different. Absolutely. does things different and it's harder um, for him, I think as a man and just, you know, the whole thing about what do I do? Yeah. I'll be a father, you know, um, and I think moms just have to jump all in because, I mean, we're the mom. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the role <laughs> the mother takes for sure is like, because even, even when you have, you know, the best dad, it's still, it's still most of it's going to fall on the mom. Absolutely. <laughs> that's, Absolutely. Just, that's just the reality. And like you said, I do think dads, especially with their boys, I can totally relate to that. You know, they have this whole, as soon as the baby comes out, they're, they're playing, they're ready for them to be, you know, playing football and baseball. And it's just like, they don't skip a beat with that stuff. No. Yeah. At all. Um, so I think now that he's older, I think, you know, a little bit more active, engaged in therapy, it's easier for him now. But, you know, these first couple of years <laughs> dealing with this is not fun at all Uh, and I ended up we ended up getting him officially diagnosed January 25th uh, or 26th 2015 I think it was and um, it was just I remember it just being like so hard I remember so my boss at the time who was also uh, a mentor and a friend I went to high school with um, she really helped me a lot through this thing because, I mean, I would come to work, I would cry, mm-hmm. I know what was going on, I would be getting into the therapist, I know, you know, just trying to adjust and home issues and just trying to work like I felt like I was a crazy person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like that day when I was supposed to get the official diagnosis, I was like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, I was just going to go take a half day and come back. She's like, are you serious? Oh. Like, you really think? <laughs> <laughs> That that's what she, she was like. If you don't take the day off and go with your husband and call your mama, mm-hmm. results. What's wrong with you? I don't even. Did I don't you even really know think? Be, did you really think you'd be okay, or do you think you were trying to kind of like suppress the emotions a little bit and think I'm just gonna go back to work and be okay? I think I wanted to be okay. Mm-hmm. I think I wanted it to be like okay. Or it to be like, oh, maybe it's bad, but not as bad as you think. Like, oh, it's just a real delay. Because mm-hmm. he was pretty young then. How old was he when, when he was actually diagnosed? Two. He had just turned two. That is so young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. I credit the pediatrician that I go to, which falls into other areas of things I want to address because I, um, I'm i Black and I go to a doctor up on North Shore who's in a Gold Coast area and I feel like I'm one of the fortunate ones to go to ones on a, uh, in that very high-end pricey area to get that type of diagnosis because that doesn't happen mm-hmm. um, typically in our neighborhoods with doctors access and things like that. So I feel like I'm very fortunate as a mom to have been in a program or be with doctors that do that. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I know like even for us, I mean, cause you know, we live, you live in, in Chicago, we live in the burbs and we like my pediatrician 
I mean, I, I think she's a, she was a good pediatrician. We actually have a different doctor now. Um, but a lot of this, you know, kind of like red flags, she sort of wasn't, wasn't too concerned about. It was really me kind of pushing more to get him into early intervention. And then to, and then once, once he was in early intervention, we actually didn't really hear anyone throw around the word autism until mm-hmm. he was like in preschool that was not oh, okay. that was not it was more of like global delay is kind of what we kept hearing um wow yeah, i don't even know what that means it basically means like he's played <laughs> in all okay. areas. so it was all like areas, you know right. speech delay like slight fine motor delay he didn't really have any gross motor delays but he did have like some like tone issues but again i mean it's just like autism looks so different from one kid to the next so it's it like does. And, and for, for a lot of pediatricians, I mean, you know, they're, they're used to dealing with 95% of kids who don't have any of these issues. So then, you know, sometimes when one comes in, it's like, they, I don't think they know what to do with that so much. So you, you're, you're definitely lucky that you had a good doctor to spot all that. Very, very fortunate because I mean, shoot, I thought, I mean, at one point I thought I had passed, you know, they say certain milestones. What you say is like what they, um, what you really say about, um, with kids autism being different from each one to each one is I thought that per the markers, what they say about children with autism, that they don't make eye contact, that they Mm -hmm. don't speak, that they don't giggle, that they aren't interactive or affectionate. Like those are the things I heard. My son was none of those things. Mm -hmm. Like when he's come up, he gave eye contact. He liked tickling. He could name everybody, me, my brother, uncle Tommy, grandma, and still on the spectrum, um, which freaked me out. And then, you know, you have all the guilt and the what ifs and, of course, the vaccination question. And then. Um, oh, Lord. Right. <laughs> then, I'm, then I'm an older mom. Um, I had my kid right after I turned 35. So uh, add that on. Top. <laughs> it was just like, you know, so party. Many- <laughs> yes oh my goodness I have partied <laughs> so I mean like it could be any of those like were these all you know and you ask yourself all these questions and beat yourself up and it was it's it was it was, it was horrible um fortunately also through early intervention um I found a great social worker who I didn't want at first I was really resistant to it and people kept on trying to push me to a social worker um, through early intervention, which was great. Um, and she would come to the house and talk to me and talk out issues and, you know, give tips and evaluate Blake um, in the home with us, sometimes talk with my husband. Uh, and she was really helpful in making sure that I had to do what it takes to help me. what a great resource yeah i no one ever mentioned um because we went through early intervention as well nobody ever mentioned a social worker (laughs) to us (laughs) the only reason i got one i think is because and like i said my brother's girlfriend at the time that's why i was like i think i was extremely fortunate um in this process even throughout it all because like i said my brother's girlfriend was doing early intervention so she was close to me at the time and so everybody could kind of see me trying to go through it and deal. 
and like falling apart. Uh, and so she really kept like pushing me and then pushing the social worker to contact me and be like, are you sure you don't want a social worker? Like, are you sure? You say, hey, just checking in. Just wanted to open the idea of a social worker. So I think from August, I didn't take, they were like offering it from August. I didn't take it up on it until January. And um, what made you finally decide to, to go for that? I'm very stubborn and hard headed. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I like had a meltdown and then someone yelled at me to get the social worker. And you were like, okay, it's time. <laughs> right. Exactly. I was like, fine, fine. I'll give it a try. Like, all right. Cause I'm tired. That usually is kind of what happens. I go kicking and screaming. I'm trying to get better about that. Now that's the thing I'm working on. <laughs> progress. Always Work in progress. That is definitely <laughs> a thing I'm working on. Um, so yeah, she was in fact, um, She's the reason why I knew I had to go to therapy, um, which is part of my self-care, because she came over and I was having a meltdown about Blake and thinking about him because, you know, it was one of those days where I bad parented uh, and I compared him to another child who's not on the spectrum. Oh, so hard. Oh, yeah. You know, where you're like, I'm not going to compare because that's not what you're supposed to do. And all kids are different. And then I did, and I had a meltdown, mm-hmm. and I was so upset because I'm like, you know, I'm worried about him, and you know, what if he never wants to have any friends, and never, you know, gets married, and you know, what type of life he has, and you know, there's something about older jazzy black women; they just tell you stuff that you need to hear and get you out your feelings. She was like, "Well, what if he don't want to have any friends?" And I was like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> what if he doesn't want to get married <laughs> she was like, what if he doesn't want to have friends what if he doesn't want to get married not everybody likes people Yeah, like, that sounds like something that you have a hang up and you have an issue with but that's your thing and you can't put that on your child she was like your child needs the space to be able to develop into whoever it is that he's meant to be you're supposed to lean back and be able to see what his talents and gifts are and cultivate those. That's your job. Not to put your stuff on him, but mm-hmm. to make the space for him to be that. Uh, I, feel like, uh, okay. I feel like like 95% of the the journey of having a child with autism is just realizing over and over again that it's not about you and what you had planned. It's about oh. child. It's all, yeah. Mm -hmm. You can't even put your own plans in. It's like, why? What for? (laughs) (laughs) Why, why, why do you even do this for yourself? Don't, don't even try. Why? It is not going to go. You have absolutely no control over this whole thing. It's just, it's happening. Mm -hmm. It's happening and you got to find a way to make it work. Cause this child, he's, he's here. Mm-hmm. He needs to navigate through this place, and this world has teeth, and so you need to, you know, <laughs> great. This world does have teeth. Skills, um, you know, for him to have a productive life. You know, we think about that. I worry about that. Um, you know, especially my husband grew up um, in a rougher part of Chicago, Inglewood. It's very talked about, and 
he, you know, we went through the public school system and, you know, he's like, I know how they treat kids, you know, who they say special needs and, you know, how they get teased and a lack of attention and skills and things that they get. Uh, so that was very frightening. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's because like frightening. that's another thing he doesn't know how to navigate and help with. You know, if my if we had to go to school in a, you know, not so savory neighborhood or, you know, the school isn't as nice or whatever, my husband can show my son how to navigate through that and not get teased if he's so-called quote-unquote normal. Mm-hmm. Autism doesn't play into that. So another way that my husband kind of felt useless, like, what do I do? Like, that's another adjustment for him. Mm-hmm. You know, he has to adjust too to that same ninety five percent, yeah, of whatever his ideas are and things. That's not Blake is careless. He cares not. Yeah, about <laughs> any of that, <laughs> he cares not <laughs> about y'all ideas or anything. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, take me back a little bit then, because I know Blake is in school now. So tell yes. me. Tell me like how that kind of started, like getting him into preschool and that whole process and sort of where he's at now. So um, my, uh, how did it start? So of course he was in preschool. It's um, his daycare. That's where he started his daycare, which is run by um, my goddaughter. And she's also really good. Um, She teaches lessons. She's actually trained in the same uh, school, the Erickson Institute, where uh, Blake officially got diagnosed. Uh, So she was um, really good about teaching him things and giving him stuff. And then uh, Chicago Public Schools, you know, he aged up and, you know, by the age of three, you're supposed to, you know, register from school. And we did the IEP. Mm -hmm process and he scored you know pretty well and they placed him in this neighborhood school that wasn't too far from our house and that was disastrous because he learned absolutely nothing and regressed now my son is a charmer everybody Mm -hmm. loves him he went rampant he was just able to do whatever he wanted he would go running back and forth between other classrooms. He'd get to play, interrupt. The teacher would take him walking around the halls or whatever it is. Like he wasn't learning anything. He wasn't gaining anything. And he was regressing. And I had to pull him out. <clears throat> I pulled him out. And I said, well, I'll put him back in the daycare where he was because she also taught pre-K as well. She was getting certified for that. And I was like, I'll just put him back there. And I just so happened to be at a, there's a um, autism like resource center for parents and teachers at the King Institute, which is on 43rd and uh, Cottage Grove in Chicago in the city. Mm -hmm. And I just happened to be there um, because I wasn't working at the time. And they're only open from nine to five, uh, Monday through Friday, which is super convenient for parents, by the way. Right. Super, super convenient, right? (laughs) It's to be open during work hours, during the week, for resources, for their kids. Nice. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) So I just happened to be there and someone had a flyer 
for, they had just a flyer for this school, these guys that came in and decided that they were going to start this ABA school for kids who have autism, like preschool from the ages three to six, and it was going to be free. And it was a brand new school that they were going to start. And they geared it specifically toward African-American, minority, black and brown kids. Well, that's amazing. (laughs) That was a serendipitous moment right there. Super serendipitous. Um, And so my son was one of the first enrollees. And it's now, it's changed names several times. But now it's called The Place for Children with Autism. Um, And so he's been there. And so, yeah, we just, I happened to find that flyer. I called like that day. And I was like, yeah, so my kid needs to get in. And so the school was so small at the time, like the two guys who were starting it, they came and met us at our house. (laughs) (laughs) Like We just want to meet to get at the house. Totally impressed by Blake. Uh, Said they, you know, wanted to bring him in. And so he's been there and this will be his last year. Okay. So he's, he's going to be going back to Chicago public school then next year. Uh, So, yeah. I am trying to now, so uh, he would have to go back to public school or it would have to be private school. Okay. Um, talking with his teachers and counselors, you know, they're, he's made great progress, but you know, no one knows where he's going to be at in a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, um, everyone feels like Montessori school would be the best environment oh. for him because he likes to move a lot still. He's very tactile touching still not very verbal okay Uh, and um so that was a suggestion but Montessori schools are like two thousand plus a month um so expensive yeah that's more than my mortgage um so there is a school actually in Beverly um Clissel I think academy and uh heard of Clissel yeah so they're Montessori from kindergarten to fifth grade. Oh, okay. Public school, neighborhood school. So my husband and I are actually looking into selling our house so I can guarantee that I, so I can move to that area so I can guarantee to enroll them in that school. Okay, gotcha. Collective enrollment doesn't go through. So that right now is really the plan. Okay, sorry, I'm getting ahead of you probably. You're like, uh, don't ask me about that. I don't know. No, 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 but honestly, but that's the thing though. As a parent, I have to think that far ahead. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm already like, all right, so we're getting him in. So let's pack up a house and move to get to a different area. Because my kid. I mean, that was what we did. We yeah. moved, um, not not specifically to get him into a school, but to, to get to a better district. Because we knew yeah. that he was going to be starting preschool. He actually, he started preschool when we were at our old house, which was in not as good of a district. And we knew that you know get once we get further into preschool and especially kindergarten we wanted him to be in a better district so same thing we picked up and moved it was crazy yeah yeah I mean it's 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 crazy though because like you said you do have to think that far in advance because I this was that was where we were at last year because Logan just started kindergarten uh this past fall but last year I went to like three or four different school visits because we knew that we were going to be you know probably going with a a public school just because again that was why we moved so we could be in the district but I still wanted to look into 
the therapy schools and just kind of all, all the options to kind of see where we were at. And as far as being in the district, then if we were going to have him in more of like a mainstream classroom with an aide, or if we were going to have him in, you know, just a special needs classroom, which is what we decided to do. But you're right. You do have to, the things that, you know, typical parents get to kind of put off. We don't have that luxury. (laughs) No. At all. It's like, okay, let me stay like two steps ahead of the curveball just in case. Let me have a plan A, B, D through E. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Because um, you just can't shoot. You just can't plan for anything. So, yeah. So that's where I'm at. And so um, I'm trying not to freak out about school because, I mean, you know, putting them in this school has been such a great comfort and help like you know to know that your son is getting one-on-one therapy pretty much every day mm-hmm. um, you know preschool like preschool like teaching and ABA therapy combined um that's amazing so they do the ABA just integrated into school yes that's so that's so awesome because we do ABA in home six days a week. So he goes to school all day and then he comes home and he does therapy for three hours after school and then three hours again on Saturdays. But it would be be so great to just have it like integrated into the day. (laughs) So yeah, that sounds like this this school is a godsend at the time. Um, It was free. It's not free anymore. It's covered by insurance premiums, but still it's like, you know, the insurance premium now is like 300 something, but they still are looking for funding to try to help it still keep free. Oh. Uh, but they're growing very fast. Uh, and so, you know, um, and they're a very much needed resource. I remember uh, after the first year, just talking to him and he was just like, you know, we're getting all these phone calls for people and parents. And, you know, we only do from age six. And they're like, do you have something for kids? seven, 10, you know, it's mm-hmm. so much lack of resources mm-hmm. um, out there that, um, especially in low income minority neighborhoods. So, you know, the whole, when you have these centers that are put in, you know, specifically to help kids that look like yours, it's amazing because uh, yeah, I'm super fortunate. Absolutely. I don't know what I would do without that. Like that was such that that part helped keep such a part of sanity because I knew he was good. However, now <laughs> just the whole thought about next year not him not going back almost sets me like into a panic attack because I'm just like I can't have another public school experience like that one semester, um, one quarter. Mm-hmm. It's so scary. He was getting nothing. Like they didn't think he knew anything. And then I would pull up videos of him reading sight words. And the teacher, one of the administrators, he was like, my son is four. My son was three at the time. He was like, he still doesn't know sight words. I was like, exactly. Mm-hmm. Smart. He is getting nothing from you all here. It's great that you all love him. And that's the thing. He's so charming. It's almost like kind of scary. Like if I pulled him out of school, you would have thought he was a star leaving. Like everybody came out, the principal came out, some of the other teachers, and they were like, Blake, you're leaving. 
oh, we're so sad. One of the security guards started crying. He said, that's why you don't get close to the kids. I was like, what is happening? Oh. He's, <laughs> <laughs> He's a superstar. He's a superstar. He still is. He's still a superstar kid. Um, that's him. I love him. We had a similar situation, um, like I said, at, at Logan's first preschool before we were had moved, where the speech therapist, I was sitting in on a session, and it was it was a similar situation where Logan was just completely disengaged, and mm-hmm. he was just running amok. He was not running any of the programs he was asking. He was not following any kind of direction, because same thing, he's he was just able to kind of smile and look cute and they're just going to kind of let him get away with it and then be like oh well he he doesn't know how to do this and then I'm sitting down at the table with him and I'm like okay Logan come here we're going to match these we're going to do this and he starts doing it and the speech therapist was like oh I I didn't even realize that he could do any of that and I'm like yeah because you're not engaged with him you're letting him run the show here and that you can't let him do that can't and that's one of the things that they it is one of the things that they're actually known for is being manipulative because they have to be because they're trying to get their own way they're trying to communicate to get what they want smart little suckers they know what they're doing they are i mean first of all you have to remember all little kids are smart little suckers oh for sure right so i mean just add this extra little element on and get ready for the roller coaster ride (laughs) (laughs) that is the truth it is definitely a roller coaster ride there's so many ups and downs uh i want to hear more about blake though tell me more about i know you said so you said he is he's verbal but like is he is he conversational he's not very conversational he definitely knows how to ask for what he wants um he's obsessed with suckers um so he knows how to say sucker please he definitely if he's food or a food item, he wants cereal, he wants juice, I want pancakes. He's obsessed with pancakes now. With he my sounds mom. seriously like Logan's twin. Logan is obsessed with sucker. Well, like any candy. He's a kid. <laughs> cool. It's a problem in our house. But he also loves pancakes and he loves cereal. <laughs> yeah, cereal. One particular cereal. Not with milk, just nope. cereal. Us too. Same thing. Oh, Honey, there you go. Cereals <laughs> every day. Oh yeah, he might no, he won't eat here. And that's the thing that's so funny. He'll eat certain things at my house, at my mom's house that he won't eat here. So he'll eat Cheerios at my mom's house, but he won't eat Cheerios here at the house. <laughs> and I, I don't understand why. Um <laughs> They're so funny. Uh, he knows how to say no thank you very well, but he says it for anything that he doesn't want. Blake is time to go to bed. No thank you. Like, okay, so this wasn't a question. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) Too funny. But he is, um, so yeah, so he's not very verbal. He's super affectionate, though. He loves to run, he loves to be tickled, Um, he loves music, he loves to dance. Um, He has a natural ear, he loves piano. He's been playing um i'm still working on getting him lessons he actually has a music therapist who actually teaches autistic children how to play piano amazing look girl i i i I try to do research i'm like all right they say you gotta pay attention and look what he wants to do he plays piano likes piano find a piano got it (laughs) 
Absolutely. Um, yeah, but I'm also now driving all over the place, all over the city, it's city to suburbs, to one suburb, to the other suburb for like a 30 minute class. But hey, the he's doing great. Do. He's killing goals. Uh, and so, you know, he's singing songs. He does so much better at school and, of course, at therapy than he does in front of me because I guess I'm mom. He wants to just have fun with me. He's so funny with that, though, because he's super selective. He's like, school is school. Home is home. Like, you don't want to do work when you come home. I feel like so much of what you're saying, like, I'm like, I could be saying this myself. Logan is the same way. He knows exactly what is expected of him at school. Yes. And what he has to do in therapy. And he'll do it. No problem. We want him to do it. And he... Like you said, he's a, Blake's a charmer. Logan's the same way. He'll give me that smile. He'll come in for a hug. Oh gosh, the mugs! <laughs> <laughs> Always. He'll give me the cuddle. He'll look at me with that little like mischievous grin, like "Come chase me," so I forget what we're doing. So funny. It's the same way. I'm like literally picturing Blake doing the exact mm-hmm. same thing. Mm-hmm. Like. In fact, he tried to do that with my grandma. She was with his mom, my mom, sorry, his grandmother, my mom, where she bought him some crayons and they were going to do color and practice something. And she put it in front of him and Blake being Blake, no, thank you. And pushed him away. She was like, no, try it. And so then him with a sigh, he flipped open the book, took a crayon, drew a line, closed the book, pushed it away and said, all done. <laughs> oh my goodness oh he's a jerk okay got it even uh, that though that's i we need to get the, our boys together because they honestly sound so similar logan is so he loves music and he's so motivated like we don't do music therapy but in the therapy room that we have at the house he has like a little piano a little guitar and they can get him to pay so much more attention when they're doing things like through song like that but mm-hmm. as soon as they pull out you know the the crayons or the markers for like coloring or working on stuff like that he's not interested <laughs> he's like oh, that's kind of like school work I'm yeah not here like, <laughs> <laughs> like no <I'm> off. <laughs> pretty much yeah they they have a lot of similarities that's so funny uh, let me see uh i also have blake in a gym class I'm trying to put him in activities now to get him more engaged with children. How does he do socially? He um it, he's starting really to open up to kids. Like a new kid started actually on Monday and Blake actually went and like up to him and engaged and said hi and everybody was really impressed like oh look at him and actually played with the new kid that day. So they said he's getting a lot better with engagement. That's uh, yeah so I'm very happy about that uh it's still kind of hard for him to like play games with them and things like that but um you know I have friends who have kids that are about the same age and they're really good about bringing Blake along to like play or to tickle or try to get him to do stuff like that but as long as he's like running and tickling that's pretty much his thing that's what he wants to do (laughs) Oh my god! Getting good climbing on a jungle gym and actually going down a slide. Mm-hmm. 
that was good um, playing in the park. So we're trying to do some more of that stuff. Okay. But, you know, birthday parties are hard. They're still trying to get him to play with like all the other kids and follow them and stay in the same way and be engaged. Not really happening, you know, because mm-hmm. his attention span is off. Like he's not. And that's okay. okay. Not everybody yeah. wants to be with the group all the time, you know. Very true. Exactly. So, you know, um, but he's social when he wants to be. And so, yeah, I mean, it's good. He loves hanging around adults. He loves, you know, getting regular attention. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's a good kid. Uh, he sounds so He sounds amazing. Yeah, super mm-hmm. funny. But, um, you know, I love the fact that because he's so sweet and so charming, like, all my family has been very like, okay, let me learn more about autism because I want to help him more. I want to engage with him more. I want to do more stuff with him. Yeah. So even my my mom showed me how they have the grandparents book with autism and pulled up stuff off of the computer. My best friend always asks, um, you know, what can I do to try to get him more engaged? Um, with me and play with me and I'm like he doesn't want to he just wants to rub on your legs mm-hmm. he loves the so does Logan love the ladies he he honestly kind of loves everyone <laughs> he definitely connects with with certain people more um and I, I wouldn't necessarily they, they are always women but he is he's just like sounds similar to Blake in that he's super affectionate and if he if he loves you, he is like Velcro. Like he will not leave your side. <laughs> yeah, no, Blake. No, Blake loves the ladies. <laughs> it, no, it's different. Uh, no, it's different. I feel like I'm gonna have to start sending out this clamor forms. Like it's only cute for a certain while. Then I'm gonna have to be like, all right, you have to stop touching women. Like he <laughs> he he goes for a body part. Oh, yeah. Logan does that too. He does that too. He for goes sure. for a body part. Yeah, thigh. Does that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he kissed my friend's thigh one time. I was like, okay, Blake, that's enough. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> we just had that talk at Logan's last. We did like kind of a supplemental IEP meeting mm-hmm. uh, just a couple weeks ago, and talking about like you know strengths and challenges and one of the the teachers was like you know it's it's great and we love it right now that he's like so cuddly and sweet but you know he's he's five and a half and they're like right. you know in a few years we're gonna have to move away from this yes <laughs> yep mm-hmm. yeah that was a thing too uh yep we're still working on that and but you know they tried to cut it off but then Blake is Blake and everybody loves the cuddles and the hugs so I know that's it and then- the other teacher was like, yeah, but it's okay now because we love it. They were like, well, it's not that old yet. <laughs> yeah. So it's not a problem until it's a problem, I guess. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, I don't, you know, he, he's just, and he's also just a fun little boy. Mm-hmm. You know, he just really likes being a boy. He touches everything. He wants to put his hands in everything. He's dirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, little boys are stinky. <laughs> um, Absolutely. So yeah, <laughs> that's my baby. 
um, you know, he's definitely changed me. Uh, I did not expect to be an advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't expect to have to uh, do as much research as I do um, continuously to try to make sure he gets what it is that he needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's frustrating to be a part of the city um, and politics in regards to Chicago public schools and the lack of resources. Uh, you definitely, you know, therapists don't come out the way that they're supposed to come out. Um, I have a friend who I met, uh, another black mom who I met in a program all the way out in Evanston that I was taking Blake to during the week. And she was like, you know, she was like, I don't see many black moms. She was like, so welcome. And (laughs) (laughs) she was like, welcome to your new normal. I know this is a lot. Uh, But when we were talking about that, she was like, yeah, I had to move out to Skokie. She was like, you're going to have to move out to the suburbs. I'm like, why do I have to move out of the city? Like, this is dumb. I don't want to have to move out the city just to make sure that my kid's okay. But like, is that what it really is now? Is that what it takes? That I got to uproot and get away? Because my support system, my family is in the city. They help pick Blake up and watch him and babysit. And, you know, mm-hmm. breaks that I do get, I get with my family members. And how does that help me moving all the way out to the suburbs where I can't even get to them? Because that's also important for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for us. So, I don't know. It sucks. Yeah, that's got to be so frustrating. Super frustrating. Um because you want to do the best thing for your child, but it's like you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Very much so. I mean, the best thing for my child is to get great schooling, but also uh, what does that do for us as parents and work, work-life balance? And how does that work? Um, you have to find a way to, you know, balance the two with knowing that still your child comes first, but you also have to take care of you in regards to this. That's how you're going to be able to take care of your child. Right. Uh, And that's a big part of it, especially with adventures and autism, just learning that (laughs) somehow in there, you have to remember that you're there too. And that's a hard thing to remember. Yeah, that's definitely something I struggle with. (laughs) Because you're so, you just want to do what's best for them and you throw yourself into it. And I mean, you do need to come up for air every now and then. Yes, very much so. Um, so, yeah, he's my only child. Uh, he's your baby. He is my baby. He is my baby. Um, yeah, and I I think we kind of, once we found out about the autism thing, it was just kind of like, okay, well, let's just not have any more. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I get that because we didn't know we didn't know that he had not been diagnosed when I got pregnant with our our second with our daughter. Uh, He yeah he didn't get diagnosed until um until but she was about one. So you got close. I'm sorry. You had your kids close. Not not too close. Logan was a little over three when we had 
but he didn't get diagnosed till he was four. So oh, okay, right, because you said global, the global. Yeah, it was. It was everything was kind of flowing, uh, flying under the radar, other than his speech, because everything else was kind of checking out the way it was supposed to. But then, as he got older, and those milestones kind of stayed the same, and they weren't progressing, that's when it was becoming, you know obvious that there was more of an issue because okay. you know, when, when a two-year-old isn't speaking it's not so concerning when right. a three-year-old isn't speaking it's definitely concerning yes. but just like how you said we we hit similar roadblocks with once we actually went ahead and wanted to to go and, and get the evaluation to get a formal diagnosis it was like six to eight months before we were able to actually get in with the developmental pediatrician to get the diagnosis. So we were same thing, just waiting in limbo. And at that point we knew what we were dealing with, but we didn't have the actual diagnosis for it. And like I said, it was, it was like right after our daughter turned one that um, he was actually diagnosed. And then same thing. We were like, okay, like, you know, I, we're done now, no more kids. And then we had a little surprise. Oh, <laughs> So now we have the two girls. <laughs> so, um, it, I mean, that's definitely, that, that's something you have to think about though, as, as, you know, an autism parent, because there, there is a strong genetic link. So, I mean, our, our middle daughter, so she's two and a half and she is completely neurotypical. So it's very interesting having, you know, one child with autism, especially an older child and then having a two and a half year old who speaks in sentences and has no problem completing any task. And then, you know, her almost six year old brother is still not able to do those things. So that's, that's different. And then um, our littlest, she's only six months. So, I mean, I I always said with Liliana too, I, I really held my breath that whole first year. I was just waiting to see where we were going to fall. And I, I almost knew, that she was going to be okay even even before that first year because I remember one of the things that they used to always ask me about Logan and I don't know if you can relate to this but they would say does he point like if he wants to show you something will he point and I was always like no he doesn't point but I I didn't know why that was a big deal I'm like what does pointing have to do with like anything but then with with my daughter Liliana when she was probably maybe like six to eight months, she started pointing to like show us, maybe that's a little bit sooner, but probably like nine months, like definitely before, before a year Yeah, she was pointing to show us stuff. And then it was like that light bulb in my brain clicked. And I was like, Oh, that's mm-hmm. why pointing is so important because it's like, she's trying to engage with us. She right. never did that. Exactly. So it's just like those, those little things where, you know, even looking back, we now see a lot more red flags than we even knew were an issue because I mean, you you don't know what you don't know. I remember when we had a bounce thing, uh, I had two bounce things. I had one that went over the door and another one that kids stand and supposed to bounce in. Blake never bounced. Okay. Never. And that's one of the things, you know, with motor skills and jumping, like he's just learning how to jump. Okay. Stuff like that. So motor skills. And I think about that, like going back, like, especially like when, you know, trying to teach him and jump and motor skills. And I was just like, wow, he never did that. And I remember other babies, like babies bounce, you know, like always bounce, like bounce on the couch. Um, 
bouncing the little bouncy chair things. He never did any of that. Um, I always used to think it was because he stayed at home with me the first year. Maybe I didn't put him in daycare soon enough because he didn't start walking until after he was one. Okay. So those are all the things that, but yeah, I look back now and I'm like, okay, those were all signs. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so interesting. The things that, cause we were the opposite. Logan never stopped jumping. Once he realized that he could like jump in his crib, like he pulled himself up. That was all he wanted to do. And for him, it was more of a sensory thing. Cause he wanted that input. He wanted to jump all the time. He still jumps everywhere. And we used to laugh and think, Oh my gosh, he's so funny. All he wants to do is jump. And now looking back, we, we think, oh, wow, he was, he was trying to tell us something. And we just weren't picking up on it. There's so many things like that. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's really interesting. Uh, just trying to find out how their brains work. Uh, and then still trying to figure out how to accommodate them. Like, I still don't know exactly when to know if you like something to eat or not. Like, it's for the things that you know, you realize are kind of frustrating when like, you don't know, Blake's taste change very quickly. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to substitute it with because mm-hmm. he can't tell me what he likes and what he doesn't like. I just offer a thousand different things. And he says, yes, no, yes, yes, no, yes, no. Um, he rarely tries anything new, especially with me, mm-hmm. but my everybody else, maybe, but with me, no. He won't ever yep. try my food. He won't anything. So that's, it's like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm thinking like, I make him lunch. I'm like, how do I know he likes peanut butter and jelly still? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he'll let you know. if he right, right. But it's like, <laughs> would, would you like to try something else? <laughs> how would I know? Uh, how do I even know what to offer? Uh, so, yeah. Um, There's so many challenges that you aren't prepared for no as a parent and then it it's right in front of you and you're like how do I navigate this it is um the whole process has just been one of those how can I navigate this whole thing mm-hmm. how can I make sure that he has all the right tools um how do I make sure he gets everything that it is that he needs and how do I still you know, work and keep a house and keep a family and keep a husband, um, but still make sure that my kid gets everything that it is that he needs. Um, Blake is super spoiled, thus being probably <laughs> the only child. Um, so he he gets away with a lot. Um, <laughs> he does, but he's doing so well. Don't think that's an only child thing. That's just a little kid thing, I think. Probably just a little kid <laughs> thing, exactly. Um, he's doing so well um, developmentally. I just, I can't wait to see, you know, how much better he gets as he gets older. Uh, so Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I have so enjoyed talking to you. And Thank hearing- you so much for having me on your show. I hope it was worthwhile and valuable. Oh, it was, yes. I loved hearing your perspective, especially speaking, you know, just all about the, like you were saying, like Chicago politics and being an African-American mom. And I mean, just navigating all that, because I'm sure there's people listening, they're going to be able to relate to that. Well, I hope so. So 
Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was really an honor to be on your show. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. We really do. At some point, we got to get the boys together. No, we do. I was about to say, because <laughs> they sound like they're going to have so much fun. They will. Yes. They're like kindred spirits. And so. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ava. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you. Have a good night. You too. Okay, bye. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Ava. I had so much fun talking to her. I just think she's awesome. So again, thank you so much, everyone, for listening and for all the feedback. If you are liking the podcast and you feel so inclined to write a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing. Um, also, you if you just want to share the podcast or tell a friend about the podcast, um, any any way to to get it out there, I am great grateful and appreciative for all of that. Um, again, if you want to connect with me, you can email me at adventures in autism 2018 at yahoo.com or you can find us on Facebook. Our page is just adventures in autism podcast or on Instagram at adventures in autism pod. I feel like I have been hearing from most people through Instagram, which is awesome because I love Instagram um, and I have been having so much fun posting all of my little autism quotes that I <laughs> I always felt like I was sharing too much but on my personal page but now I can just share them to my heart's content so again thank you so much for listening and for supporting the show and until next time I will talk to you later thanks mm-hmm.